What's up, everybody? Episode 84 of the Patio Slave Podcast. Hope you had a good time checking out the uh, two doses of our Kanye countdown with Spo's last couple weeks. We appreciate you coming back for that. We're back at it with another week. What's up, guys? How you guys doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing yeah, great. I'm well, as Nate Pretty says, to... best night of the week. Best night of the week. Ready to nerd <laughs> out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we just did this too, but it, I mean, hey, why not do it again, right? Oh, wait, yeah, we're 84 of these now. So, and we have a special guest with us tonight. Brian Colburn of Playlist Wars is here to do, uh, uh, you know, a little uh, a riff off what they do. So, Brian, first off, introduce yourself. Tell us about your podcast. Let's, let's get that stuff going. Well, first, gentlemen, thank you guys so much for bringing me on. I'm really excited about this. So, thank you, thank you, and thank you. And I am Brian. I am one half of Playlist Wars. We are an audio commentary podcast, which basically we pick a band, artist, or topic. And me, my best friend of, we we, we get the year wrong all the time, sometime in the 90s. So nice. 25, 30 years, it all kind of is gray right now anyway. Uh, Gomez, him and I, along with a special guest, each create a 10 song playlist based on that band artist or topic and then we have a roundtable discussion and kind of map out our playlists track by track and after that's done we turn it over to anyone who listens who we lovingly call the playlisters to vote for which one of the three of us quote unquote got it right and then every 10 episodes we do a results episode and we reveal who gets bragging rights for that artist band or topic Nice. Yes. And I've listened to many. So uh, go go check out the Playlist Wars, guys. They do an awesome job. Uh, and I'm excited, I think, here in the fairly near future. At some point, we'll get one of us in there with you guys to do one. Oh, I think it's a definite. We just need to nail down a day. I mean, it's one of those things where there are certain podcasts that we listen to and we're like, oh, we got to totally make this happen. And then life gets in the way, as you all know, with work and kids and bouncing around. I've personally got four sports between two girls that we're juggling right now. Ooh, wow. So I, I don't know if I'm coming in. Like I said to my wife each day, I'm like, just give me a time when and where I need to be and where they need to be. And I'll figure out the rest of it as we go along. Yeah. Hell yeah. So look for that in the future, the Patio Slave and uh, and Playlist Wars, a, a topic to be determined here. Definitely. Um, Although the one we're doing tonight might make for a killer crossover when you guys come on. So oh, you know what? That's, like that. not a, that's not a bad idea. Like so, that. hey, yeah, Nate, what are we doing tonight? What's our topic? Oh, uh, man, this is one that I thought would be super easy for me, but uh, it's our top five favorite concerts of all time individually. So um, this is going to be quite the nerd session. Can we call it Concert Wars, or is that copyright? Yeah. Copywritten. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> okay, all right, nice. <laughs> so, yeah, we're all going to – we'll do similar to uh, what you guys do over at Playlist Wars. We'll kind of each take a turn, give a, a concert, counting down from five to one, and kind of, yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit. I'm sure we'll have – I'm hoping we'll have some artist, you know, interaction that we've all – I, I was talking with you guys before. Nate and I have been to four of my top five together. So there'll be, I, I'm guessing he's got one of them. And then I think Brian, you and I might have a similar artist, but we'll see. Yeah, you know, I'm excited about it. And let's, you know, let's get into it. Brian, what's, what's your, we can give it, what's, let's do an honorable mention. Let's toss one of those out there. One that maybe didn't quite make the cut to start. Uh, maybe number six there on, on the cutting room floor. What'd you have? Uh, well, my honorable mention is actually my favorite artist of all time. 
And the fact that it didn't make my top five actually made my wife look at me and go, really? <laughs> and uh, this would have to be July 14th, 2002, Hershey Stadium in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and the Brian Setzer Trio. Oh, wow. Which, if you'd know Brian Setzer and you know the bands he's in, it was basically the Stray Cats under the Brian Setzer Trio name. Nice. So it was the Stray Cats and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And just from beginning to end, not a single bad song played. There was no chance for a bathroom break. You were not getting out of your seat. It was just sing-along after sing-along after sing-along. And that was one of the, the first concerts my wife and I went to together. Although the night before we went to go see... I think it was Poison, Cinderella, Faster Pussycat, and Winger. And and she married me anyway, so I mean. <laughs> but I think we've all a, said that. We've all yeah, said that definitely. on this podcast. They married us anyway. <laughs> when when my wife, uh, over the, when we first started dating, she thinks that the concerts I took her to were specifically to test the waters because everything from the Insane Clown Posse and Two Live Crew to Rusted Root to Lamb of God, like, she looks at me. She's like, "What? What am I dating? Who like, are you?" <laughs> I I know I did that with uh, with my wife Jess. Took her to thrice thrice's farewell show, which they're back together, obviously now. But thrice's farewell show. I've taken her to Atmosphere. I've taken her to all kinds of stuff. And she's like, "Can we go see Guster?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure. We'll go see Guster too. <laughs> that works." Hey, you want to you want to go see Terror? Who? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, you're coming. <laughs> you have I have, you have a ticket. Napalm Death. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Date night. It. Yeah. Right. But you got to throw them a bone, too, every now and then, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I have Tom Petty on my list, and that was the the artist that I thought we'd have uh, in common. It's up up at number three for me. I'll, I'll talk about that show. It's a couple years later. Uh, Nate and I went. I think we've talked about it. We've talked about it a little bit in the past, and it, it, a certain Tombstone pizza machine may come up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you, uh, Nate, what's your honorable mention? Give us an honorable mention. I'm looking at a sea of ticket stubs, but I have one. <laughs> in particular that just didn't make the cut. I mean, it really should, but it's uh, them crooked vultures at the Fillmore in Denver. Um, they did like two tours total. So yeah, this show, I actually was in the top five and I had to swap it out because it, everything's so on the brink. Honorable mention, amazing show, three legends on stage, Josh Homme, Dave Grohl, and uh, John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. So to cut that, yeah, it's not an easy one, but um honorable mention one of the best shows i've ever seen in person all right nice i'll jump in i think my my theme with this whole episode is well if you've listened to us you know i have an excel spreadsheet of every show i've ever been to uh whether or not there's ticket stubs i get those cataloged it's got date bands location venue at some point i'm gonna do nerd notes i'm gonna try to remember as much as i can and just layer it in so i bring that up to say this was near impossible if you ask me tomorrow it's gonna to be different but for this honorable mention it's a show at the palladium downstairs worcester mass last show for the band bane title fight open saves the day opened it was just a lot of and it was probably like six other bands from they up to that point they'd been a band for like 20 years so bands from each era including like you know saves the day more of a pop punk band and then you have title fight and cruel hand from Maine played it was awesome uh, I love that venue, love that band, just uh, a great send-off, and they um, 
made a DVD, which has a, a lot of the footage of that last show. And hard to believe it was five years ago. But uh, yeah, Palladium will come up again. I'm teasing that. Nice. Nice. Oh, man. So, extra to boot, too, with the, the DVD. That's like when you get some really good, you know, vivid memories because it's on video. It's yep. awesome, man. Totally. I got to say that that concert Excel sheet, that's a vibe right there that I'm going to have to start picking <laughs> yeah. my brain and putting that together, man. I I, I have in my phone, it, every, I, I collect CDs. You've probably heard me mention this 10,000 times on our show. And I've repurchased so many CDs over the years that I actually created uh, an app called, or I didn't create the app, but I use an app called Tap Forms. And it's basically an Excel sheet on your phone, but you could use it as a searchable database. And I have every CD that I own along with the UPC code. So if I'm in a record store, I could just scan the disc and see if I own it already so I don't buy it a second time. Yep. Amazing. I do that with vinyl on Discogs yep. all the time. I'm like, nice. oh shit, do I already own this? I think I already own this. Let's find out because I don't want to buy it again. You're just outsourcing your brain at that point. It's like, I, I have a good memory, but not that good of a memory. Yep. I can't remember. I have 3,800 and counting CDs, so oh, wow. I, I can't remember if I own a specific album by a band that you know I haven't listened to in 20 years, and it's one of those things where maybe I bought it 10 years ago, maybe I didn't. At least now I know. Yep. Have you listened to all 3,800 of them? No, but that's what retirement's for, I figure, nice. at some right. point. Good. Um, yeah. Now, I, I have ripped all 3,800 of them, so I do constantly, when I'm in the car, have it on random, kind of just playing. So maybe songs from all 3,800 for sure, uh, but not not oh, all the way awesome. through. But I think when I the day I retire, I'll start with, I guess, ACDC's yeah. first album and then go all the way to ZZ Top and yeah. just hopefully I make it till the last song on ZZ Top's last album, you know? Are they Hell still yeah. in jewel cases, or you have them <laughs> in the binders? No, I I, did, I stopped doing the binders, but what I actually do is I have them, because we live in a townhouse, so if I had them in jewel cases out on a wall, the house would collapse. Yep. So I keep, <laughs> I've kept all the jewel cases and everything for a time when we actually have a larger home that I can have my room, which would be a pool hall basically a pool table and then the walls with all the CDs on it. But for now I have all these plastic sleeves that I put the booklet and the CD in. Oh, nice. perfect. So, and then I have them in bins in a uh, armoire in our living room. So I could just pull the bin out, grab a disc and throw it in the CD player or take it in the car with me. Nice. Oh, that's nice. rad. That's, that's what we call nerdy. I mean, that's the stuff that, I mean, uh, when I was in high school, I put it all in a word document, every CD I owned. And I think at one point I was up to like 1500 and then I sold them all back to our local record store. I have them all ripped. So I still have all the music, but I probably have somewhere in the vicinity of 22 to 2300 different, uh, you know, full CDs or full, uh, you know, MP3s, I guess at this point. So I, I can definitely relate. I just don't have them taking up space anymore, which part of me is mad at myself for that. And part of me is like, they needed to go. I don't have anywhere to put them. Well, you yeah. see, I, I, I at one point sold a bunch of them off and then pre the cloud, I had a hard drive die. Ooh. And after that moment of, Oh my God, I just lost hundreds of MP3s and all my albums. Then it was like, okay, I'm never doing that again. And then I went lossless 
So I was like, at that point, at least I have a good copy. Now I've got it backed up to like an external. I got it backed up to the cloud. Yeah, I, I don't know. I probably have more copies of hard drives than I do of CDs. But just to be safe, you can't, you know, you don't want to ever have to go through that again. No, no, man, that's a nightmare. All right, so that was our first tangent. That didn't take long. We uh, we haven't even gotten to my <laughs> we haven't even gotten to my uh, my honorable mention yet. My honorable mention: uh, Zach Brown Band in Bangor in June, June second, twenty twelve. I uh, went up with my my wife, my future wife at the time, uh, my sister in law, uh, my brother, and my dad, and it was it was pouring all throughout the state of Maine. But it was not raining in Bangor. It was early June, so it can be kind of chilly still, and it was pretty chilly, but it was the only spot in the state that wasn't raining. And we got to see Zach Brown outside uh, a couple of block walk from the casino in, in Bangor, and my wife and I both hit about 250 bucks on slot machines right before we went down to the show. Hell yeah. So drinks were on me that night. Everybody was having a really good time, and we get to see Zach Brown band outside uh, in an awesome, just an awesome venue. Uh, which we've been to a couple times. I think the three of us, Nate and Anthony, uh, it's just, it was a blast. And and the fact that it was the only spot in the state that wasn't raining. I mean, I remember riding home with my dad. It was absolutely downpouring. And I was like, how did we stay dry in Bangor at the show for three hours? This doesn't make any sense, but it was just a good night. It was just one of those things that you'll never forget. Yeah. They're a hell of a band, man. I'm so glad that they're putting out an album that goes back to those country roots. Again, the last one they did, the owl was Man, I, I have no problem with them experimenting and doing pop stuff, but call it something else because I expect a little bit of that country southern rock thing from my Zach Brown band albums. And I was pretty disappointed with the owl, but this everything I've heard from the comeback so far, I'm like, all right, I dig where this is going. I've seen them in concert. I actually saw them in Guilford, New Hampshire at Meadowbrook. Nice. Uh nice. probably and um Chris Daughtry actually came up on stage and guested with them for free which was absolutely insane. That guy's got such a killer voice and they're an incredible group and they didn't even make my honorable mentions. And I feel guilty about that already. So I saw them at Meadowbrook too. No Daughtry. I don't think it was four, four and a half years ago um, over Memorial day weekend. And we parked in the, uh, we camped in the parking lot. So that was a needless to say, it was a pretty, pretty rowdy time, but they were awesome. I mean, they just put on a great show. Yeah. Start to finish. You, you yeah. Again, another band you don't leave your seat for. Mm-hmm. All right, so we got through our, our honorable mentions. Let's start with the countdown. Brian, what do you got at number five? All right, at number five, this is actually a one-off concert. The reason it made my top five is because in one night, I got to check off a bucket list of artists that I love. And this concert took place on October 3rd, 2012 at the IZOD Center in East Rutherford, New Jersey. The concert was called Love for Levon. It was a benefit for Levon Helm after he passed. And on the bill was Roger Waters, Garth Hudson, My Morning Jacket, John Mayer, Joe Walsh, Dirks Bentley, Eric Church, Greg Allman, Bruce Hornsby, John Hyatt, Grace Potter, Warren Haynes, Lucinda Williams, Mavis Staples, Robert Randolph, John Prine, Jacob Dylan, Mike Gordon, and Joan Osborne. That's just some of the bill. Wow. Was it five days? <laughs> no, it was a three-hour concert, and they all came up and did different songs from LeVon Helm and the band. Wow. And wow. I got to see like Joe Walsh and Robert Randolph just throwing down in a guitar duel. And the reason I picked it is I went with my father. We always talk about those, you know, concert memories that you have. And Grace Potter came out and she did a chilled out version of I Shall Be Released. And you can get this on Blu-ray and CD. It's on YouTube. You could watch the whole concert. 
the, her version of I Shall Be Released was just her on organ, Don was on drums, and a bass player. And at the end of it, I'm actually getting goosebumps. Nice. Literally on my arm talking about it. She hit this high note where the entire crowd just went silent. 20,000 people in the Izod Center. And when she sang the last note, she started crying. And the applause just swelled from like clapping to this roar. My father turned to me and he said, I've seen Jimi Hendrix live. I've never seen anything like that. Amazing. Wow. And it was just one of those moments where like, you could not be moved by it. Every wow. time I watch that performance, I well up. And it was just such a wonderful evening. And being able to just go check, check, check off the list of, you know, Roger Waters, Pink Floyd, I, you know, Joe Walsh, the, like just checking them off the bucket list. I, I couldn't not include that one. So that is my number five. That is a hell of a bill. And it makes me jealous because because of where we live, I mean Nate now Nate being in San Diego gets a little more of that than than we do here in Maine. That's that's the the downside of living in Maine and not being in the big city is we don't get stuff like that. Uh, you know when when they put together those big shows and those one offs, it's like Portland Maine's not going to see that. <laughs> so no. you got to travel. But I, hey man, that's uh, man. I, I've got goosebumps just listening thinking about that story. I can't imagine what it was like being there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, well, if, if, I would highly, highly, highly suggest if if the if you like the band at all, and I just grab the Blu-ray of it or the DVD. It is such a fun watch. There are so many different jam sessions that happen over the course of three hours, and then at the end of the night, every musician I mentioned is up on stage jamming the weight together. Yep, yep. So wow. I mean, it's just a it's just a beautiful thing of music, you know, classic rock personified. I just can't believe that many people played. In just three hours, that seems like it would be like a six, eight hour marathon concert, but there was not even a break. It was just they actually they took a 10 minute intermission at one point, which was kind of worthless because people didn't get out of their seats. They just wanted more yeah, too short. Yeah. Yeah. In that a lot. I mean, this is kind of a downer comment, but most a lot of those folks are getting older. So that's a ain't going to happen much longer. And like John Prine, I think you said, I mean, he he's no longer he with passed. us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, the only time we're seeing that is on YouTube, on YouTube up here in Maine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the DVD, you know? Yeah. yeah. Damn. Well, yeah. I've got, I'll say this, I've got main love in my list, so you guys are Ooh. nice. I, I okay. got some main love for you on my top five here, so. Nice. We'll take oh, that's it. amazing. We'll take it. Sweet. All right. Who wants to give the, one of you guys? All right. I'll jump in because Nate's being shy. Uh, I'll tease this a little <laughs> bit. December 20, uh, 28th, so a few days after Christmas, Years 2006, the venue, Worcester Palladium. Nerd fact, I bought the ticket at Strawberries. Do you guys remember ah. Strawberries? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So I they had the big, long, uh, not horizontal, I guess those were just rectangular tickets, and they had the old school printer. And I know half the tickets I have from there, you can barely read who it was for. So I had to, like, I... <laughs> Another nerd fact, I put uh, post-it notes on the back of those and wrote out the details in case it. Uh, I lost <laughs> the details. Uh, I, would but, I love that. <laughs> I love it. I like the way you think, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I think I got a problem. <laughs> we all do. That's the <laughs> It's a good problem to have. People. Some people have other problems that are not as good as this one. This is, <laughs> this is a healthy this problem. This good for your soul, yeah. So if you know me, you listen to the podcast, this should be no surprise. This was like a weekend run of Long Island, New York bands. So this is how opened Crime and Stereo was second, and then Glassjaw headlined. So this was 2006. Wow. 
this was after like three years after worship and tribute uh everything uh from 2000 was already out but material control hadn't come out yet so you have playlists uh or set lists from just their two banger albums and it was just a vibe and i think that's a theme with all the shows i picked that it's hard to put it beyond the fact that it was just an out-of-body experience and just you had to be there it's like we talked about it last week it's like almost like a spiritual vibe and daryl's just a hell of a front man and the crowd was louder than the band it was one of those times where i'm looking around i'm like i don't want this to end like this and it's pre-smartphone pre-smartphone so everyone is dialed in and oh nice with two albums worth of content everyone truly did know every song and they're screaming and and also where i was in the venue was great i was right in the middle and if you've been to the palladium it kind of tears up almost like stair steps and i was at the first tier right at the at the bar there and um not the drinking bar but like the the bar to separate me from the riffraff and it was amazing like i i felt like i was the conductor of the whole show um (laughs) So yeah, I could I could go on and on. We'll keep this short and sweet. Glass job, Palladium, two thousand six. I got a little nerd question for you, Twan. Just because the the Palladium in Worcester has got little notorious for sound, there's either really good nights or really off nights. So I think the really good nights is when they bring their own sound guy. So they must have had their own crew with them. Honestly, didn't even need it. The crowd was, it was like, you know, sing sing by number. It was like the crowd was so fucking loud. It was amazing. Wow. I didn't notice. If the sound sucked, I didn't notice. Nate, have you seen them? Glass, Glass Joe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think twice. Nice. But not on that tour. And it was, both times we're out here, so. Yeah, I, I never, I've never seen them, and it's a huge problem I haven't either. Yeah, same yeah, here. I, I'd love to see that band. It just hasn't happened yet. Hopefully, hopefully someday. All right. I'm going to go next. 2005, March 28th, at the Roxy in Boston, I don't know if it's still called the Roxy. I can't remember. Royale, maybe, I think it's is Royale. what they changed the yep. name to. Yeah, yeah. I've been to a bunch of shows there. I've seen Atmosphere there. I've seen Thrice there. We saw, Nate and I saw Queens of the Stone Age there on tour for Lullabies to Paralyze, I believe. And I, Nate had been trying to get me into Queens of the Stone Age for a couple of years at this point. And I just, I was resisting. I liked songs that I'd heard. It was just not, at, the, at that time in my life, I was not into it. And then I went and saw them live. And I was like, three songs in jaw on the floor like okay these guys just kick ass like i what's wrong with me what where have i been you know josh homey is such a uh, you know dynamic front man Uh, they were touring you know with lanigan still uh, playing a bunch of just amazing amazing queens of the stone age songs at that point uh you know on tour for lullabies to paralyze and then you've got uh songs for the deaf just before that which is an all-time record for for me and man it just it, it it was the reason that I got into the band. I, I I finally was like, yep, I'll go check out the show with you. I love going to concerts. And we sat uh, in the hotel bar next door to the Royale with the rep. And I forget his name. He was the, we were down there with our buddy, Rob, who, who uh, obviously works for the radio and got us tickets. Rodney. And, yeah. Rodney. Yes. Yeah. Rodney yep. from Interscope. And I think they were only 20 at the time and uh, they were just serving. They were like, yeah, we're not checking anybody's IDs. <laughs> Have a couple of beers guys. Enjoy yourselves. <laughs> So that, that might have helped, who knows, <laughs> but man. And then I think, Nate, you had gone to CD Spins, which was a, just a used CD uh, shop in Boston back in the day, and bought self-titled on CD and had the bartender play it 
the entire time we were in there. And we had to be in there for like an hour and a half. It, it went through at least one and a half times uh, before we went to the show. So we were just rocking Queens of the Stone Age all night. Blast of a show. Uh, got me into the band, and they're one of my favorite bands now. So thanks for talking me into it, Nate. They're on my list of bands I have to go see. Like, I, I've never oh, heard man. one person, I've never heard one person say, man, they're not good live. So the fact that, Nate, you've seen them Crooked Vultures as well, I mean, that that's that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, I was a big fan. I got into, I feel like I got in, into them late too, which is the weird thing. Because 04, you know, they were, they kind of popped off in 2002 with Songs for the Deaf, so was it rated r came out around 2000 yeah, yeah i, I remember yep, yep. that that got countless spins in new york radio at the time so i knew them from rated r on and i just oh, nice. never they're just one of those bands that i knew when i heard in 2004 when we heard uh no one knows on the radio i'm like oh these guys are going to be massive yep yeah yep. yeah that was dude i actually that was in my top five i had to take it out uh because there's just so many good shows but that was an amazing show they would just come off Dave Grohl had just left to go back to the Foo Fighters, so like they brought in Troy, or no, they brought in uh, what's his name, Joey Castillo. Yeah, yep. Uh, on drums, and he's a killer drummer, and they were just tight. I mean, that whole band was tight. That show was so flawless. Man, great pick, man. I, it was hard for me to get rid of that one, but I'm happy that you uh, picked it up. Yeah, I got you. Uh, man, I have actually talked about this show. My top, uh, my fifth one. I didn't say what order it was in previous to this episode but i've i have talked about this gig and it went in and out of my top five a few times but i had to bring it back in because it's just it could be a number one show of all time because it's just so killer so uh similar to you brian this is one of those like check you know multiple boxes off the uh bucket list type thing just because they just happened to show up this was uh january 10th 2015 uh the foo fighters at the forum in uh inglewood in la for uh, Dave Grohl's birthday party. He kind of oh. threw like his own birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> I, I read about that show. Of course, Nate was there. <laughs> I was amazed. And the thing is, I tried to get tickets when they went on sale. It was locked out, bombed. And I was like looking at the secondary market. This isn't going to happen. And then the radio station was giving them away. And I actually called in and won, which I don't know if you guys have done that, but it's extremely hard. Like the chances are stacked up against you to even get through, let alone win, you know? So I got chosen. I just like lost my shit. I was like, I can't believe I fucking won. Like I was determined to get to the show and I actually won the ticket somehow. So that was cool. But yeah, I mean, I'm talking Detroit Rock City with Paul Stanley. Uh, Do You Love Me with Paul Stanley. And obviously they played Foo Fighter songs all my life, wrote Pretender. Who else did they have? Man, Jack Black, <laughs> Slash, Alice Cooper, Nick Oliveri from Queens of the Stone Age, actually. Zach Wilde, Perry Farrell, Trombone Shorty. David Lee Roth was up there just going crazy as usual. And then Lemmy, before he passed away, closed with Let It Rock, a Chuck Berry cover. And uh, I was with my wife. You know, I won the pair of tickets, and we went, and we were just like, you know, Foo Fighters is great. This is going to be a great show. You know, he puts on, the band puts on fantastic shows. We had no fucking idea that we were going to get all these random people coming out because it was, it was his birthday. He literally was on stage saying, yeah, I just called on my bar friends. <laughs> nice. <laughs> And so, it's always cool when one person shows up at a concert and yeah. is like, oh, we got a special guest. Like one time I went to go see Life of Agony back when Whitfield Crane from Ugly Kid Joe was the singer at the time. Oh, wow. And he goes, we're going to bring up a friend and do a couple of Sabbath songs for you. And Scott Ian from Anthrax comes out. Oh, wow. Damn. And they, you know, they break <laughs> in the symptoms of the universe. And I was yeah. like, okay, 
this is awesome. Yeah. So that that was one moment in a, in a concert. You had just like just moment after moment after moment. That's awesome. They just kept they just kept coming out like I couldn't. No one could really believe it. And it was just I feel like no one knew except for the band and like their staff. But even like the venue staff was like, whoa, you know, like, holy shit, that's Paul Stanley. So everyone was surprised. It was something to see. And it was his 46th birthday. So it wasn't even like a big 50 or anything like that. It was just like, I feel like having a birthday party. So I'm going to fucking <laughs> throw a birthday party concert for myself. But in very Grohl fashion, you know, he's he's a nerd. I think we can all agree that he's like a, a nerd as a musician because he's always doing something cool. So music related. You mentioned Nick Oliveri. I saw Nick Oliveri last night in Portland, Maine. Oh, yeah. Nice. He, uh, his band Stoner opened for Clutch. Great name, by Portland. the way. Love oh, that it's name. a great name. Yeah, and I mean, they lived up to the billing. It was Stone Rock to a T. It was enjoyable, and and Clutch still kicks ass. So, as you guys were, I just wanted to bring that up. I saw Clutch last night, and they were fucking awesome. <laughs> That's gone full nerd circle. Makes sense. All right, who, we up to four. We want. We all. We've all done our fives, right? Yeah. Brian, yep. number four. What do you got? All right, this is at the State Theater in Portland, Maine. Ooh, Ooh, our, our, our nice. home, man. I love that place. June 11th, 2005. This is the longest my wife and I ever drove for a concert. Drove from New Jersey up there for the weekend and then drove home the next day. I do listen to all different types of music. So my list is really going to make you guys raise your eyebrow because there's just no rhyme or reason to my, my bands. And this is definitely one of them. This group is from upstate New York, and they're a very popular jam band, and they're called Mo. Oh, yeah. Not sure yeah. If you, okay, awesome. On June 11th and June 10th and 11th, we couldn't go both nights because of work problems, but they recorded songs that they would actually mix into an album of theirs, which would be known as The Conk. And they took stuff from the live concert, and they basically had every member of the band on stage in their own kind of like plexiglass space with all the amps. So everything was mic'd up to actually do a studio recording in front of an audience. And then they worked it into what would become the studio album. On top of that, they also did a bunch of their hits and did a live album that came out with a pre-order called High in Congress. And all the songs from that EP were from the night we went. The thing that was most memorable about the concert, though, five minutes into the second song, someone pulled the fire alarm. Ooh. And they emptied the audience out of the venue onto whatever street that is. My car was actually parked in one of those. We got like the primo spot right by the door of the state theater. And people were freaking out in the street thinking the concert was not going to happen. They weren't going to let it. People were trying to climb on top of my car to see oh, what was going on. Oh, no. So my oh. wife and I had to grab the car, drive a few blocks away, park somewhere else and go back. And they did let everybody back in. And it was an amazing show. Um, the only other thing I want to say about the night is beforehand. I don't know if you guys probably know this place and it's probably common to you. But to my wife and I, this was just a very memorable evening because the percussionist from Mo, Jim Laughlin, was playing with a guy named Mike Rockland at the Ale House. Yep. Yeah, the Ale House. Yep. And they had, it was a bar, but they had swings. Yep. So oh, my swings. wife and I are yep. sitting there just drinking <laughs> and swinging. We're going, this is not going to end well. But it was so much fun. And I'll never forget that place. It was a fun night. It was literally, we drove up Saturday morning, went to this bar, went to the concert, drove back Sunday morning, 14 hours in a car, 
But every time I put the album on, I know a lot of the stuff that they did from that album was from the concert. So that's how it made my number four. That's amazing. If you had the swings at the ale house in yeah. Brian's list, drink. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I love the pandering wow. will get you everywhere too. That's uh, we fucking love the ale house. We I, I we lived there in our early twenties before they closed. It sadly it's closed. That, that's uh, what I was just gonna ask you guys. Yeah. Is it still there? Because next time I'm up visiting my wife's family, I'm gonna have to. I was gonna hope to get back out there again. But... I think it's the the kitchen for Pat's Pizza now, right? It's the downstairs yeah, it's of down, Pat's Pizza. It's one of those. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, I, that's it's still. I mean, Portland's got plenty of awesome hole in the wall spots like that, but that that spot was special. Uh, our buddy's band, oh, uh, yeah. growing up, a high school buddy of ours, played in a band with a couple other kids, and they played there a ton when we were like twenty, twenty one, twenty two, and uh, we lived there. I mean, they, they play Monday nights, they play Friday nights, they play Saturday nights, and we just yeah, hanging out, sit, drinking PBR, sitting on swings, watching your friends play, and they do Metal Mondays a lot too. Uh, back yep. in the day, and you could it, it, there was a there's a decent metal scene in Portland at the time, and yeah, cool spot. I'm I'm glad that you. Uh, I, I think we had interaction with that about that on Twitter, and I was like, he's been to the Yale House. The Yale House is fucking cool. Like that's that's <laughs> that's I, I miss that place. I mean, the only bright side is at least it's not like a spirit Halloween or something now. You know? Right. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait till well, I was gonna say wait till October. It is October. Wait till next year. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what's really funny, Brian? When you were talking, I was like, I think I was at this show. I was like, I don't know. I've seen Mo a few times at the state. Maybe it was a different tour or something. And you said the fire alarm, and I was I was at that show. And Are you um, me? no, I was did there, you and I was walking. Car? No, <laughs> I didn't. Well, here's the funny thing: is I wasn't even planning on going to the show, but I was living in Portland, and I walked by the venue, and someone handed me tickets, and I was like, I actually didn't know who Mo Which was. Happens all the time, right? I mean, happens. <laughs> yeah. I guess I just put it out there or whatever. But anyways, I walked by this guy's like, "Do you want to go to the show?" I'm like, I was actually I was heading back to my apartment. I'm like, sure. I would never pa pass up a free show. So I walked in, watched like three songs or whatever, and I was really tired. So I was almost kind of like dozing off because I just finished work and they were jamming for a while. And then the fire alarm went on and I woke up in like a panic. So I remember that show vividly because of the fire alarm. And I have the ticket stub and I also have a theater like voucher from that show with the data and it says Mo on it. Like, come back, come back. Nice. The show's still on. Like you said, the show's still on. Here's your voucher. So you can get back in. You can't rescan your ticket stubs. So it was almost like proof that you were in, proof of purchase kind of thing. Yeah. And I just saw it. Like I was just going through my stubs and I just like had that in my hand. So that's insane. Small nerd voyance, world, right? Yeah, we call that nerd voyance. Nerd voyance. Yep. <laughs> uh, really cool that you were at a show that they took music from to make an album. I mean, that's that's pretty cool stuff. It's like you were in on the studio session, but the studio session was a live concert. Yeah, and yeah. I, I've never seen any other show like that in my life. And was it the like memorably the greatest concert ever? No, but the fact that the story behind it is something I tell all the time. It had to yeah. make the list because it was just such a different experience. And I think that's where my list kind of goes with my top five concerts. They're not necessarily my five favorite bands, but they're my five favorite experiences at a concert. Totally if that makes yep. a little more totally with you. Completely agree. And that'll come I up, we... I think, with. Probably the rest of mine, or at least a few of mine left. Yep. Speaking of which, Tuan, go ahead and give us one. Yeah. I'll, I'll make this kind of short and sweet. I know you guys know the band. You, Nate, actually, you might have come with me to see them back in the day, uh, but the band is Have Heart, straight-edge hardcore band from Massachusetts. Uh, this was their last show back in October 18th, 2009. It was Edge Day. Uh, Bane, who I mentioned as a honorable mention, opened... Uh, foundation tone's favorite and uh 
Cruel Hand, shout out to a main band. Uh, but they played Club Lido in um, Revere, Mass. If you've ever been to Revere, you know, you probably want to stay away from that place. But they played Club Lido, <laughs> which was like a dance club that just converted to a show, you know, show venue. It was like, you know, the opposite end of, ends of the spectrum. You get this club venue, you know, one night and then you get a straight edge hardcore band the next night. But it was their last show. I'd seen them probably 15 times leading up to this. And I think at that point in time, it was, it was a special send off. And, you know, like most bands last show, it's never their last show. I actually saw them two years ago, reunion show, but man, just a special night. And I want to say there might be, I think they recorded it. They recorded that and it's bridge nine put out a pressing of it, but Pat, the front man went on to front uh, fiddlehead. So that might resonate more with some of our listeners, but uh, yeah, have heart last show edge day 2009 i i would pay two grand to go back and relive that night special night yep yeah Uh, it's always cool when you get to go to like a farewell type show even if you know they're going to get back together because it the energy in the room is different right everybody's like oh man this might be the last time these guys do this or these these gals do this i want to be here. I want to soak this entire evening in. And it sounds like that's what you had. Even if totally. maybe they came back and you saw a reunion show a couple of years ago, it's not the same. Like when you think it's you're at the end of the road, that the, the energy in the room is definitely different. Yeah. People said that in 1997 when Kiss did the uh <laughs> their final tour oh, yeah. back then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and didn't they are they going out again right now? I think supposedly. they're going right now. Yeah. 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 Supposedly <laughs> yep. they're 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 ending next year at some point, but who knows? It's like the stones every year. It's this is it. This is it. I saw a great (laughs) meme about uh, Keith Richards. It's Keith Richards talking to like a three-year-old and it says, here's Keith Richards teaching Willie Nelson how to play guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Amazing. All right, Nate, you want to go or you want me to go? Yeah, I got one. This one is one that uh, got swapped out because it was, as soon as I pulled it out, I'm like, Ooh, this one, this one deserves a top five spot. It was on uh, April 30th, 2005, Audio Slave at the Roseland Ballroom, Brian. So you probably know that one in New York City. And, oh, you're uh, going to hear that name later on in this episode. Oh, I nice. promise you. It's such a good venue, such a good room to see a band. And like Heart of the City. And I mean, Chris Cornell, is always my, he was always my favorite singer uh, of all time. So to see him in a club kind of setting with one of my other favorite, favorite bands, Rage Against the Machine, is like a rhythm section. He was in peak form i mean oh five his voice was still great and uh he was fit he was sober i think um everything about the show was amazing they played rage songs they played audio slave songs they played Soundgarden songs he was into it i was just i i relived that that night quite often because it was like holy shit i'm finally seeing my favorite singer and he's like literally like two feet away from me because i you know we went all the way to the front i actually went with uh with rob nice uh radio dj and uh yeah we were just both like floored like this is insane this guy's singing like it's 1998, like or 96 in his heyday. Like his voice is perfect. The band killed it. They were all getting along. And it's almost like this weird, hazy. It's like it's vivid, but it's also hazy because it didn't seem real, you know? Yeah. Almost like a so dream. I got to say that's four. It seems like a dream. Yeah. It seems yep. like a dream, especially seeing it in like a venue like Avalon, where it's like you hear about these, you see like those old, you know, rock posters from the 70s. And they're, they're always at like Roseland and, just those legendary venues. So when I was living in New York city, I was like, I, I got to check out all these venues and to see shows that are legendary for me in those legendary venues is like, yeah, I think I've said it before. Nerdery squared, right? It's like, this is, 
this is so much nerdery. It's it's insanity. Yeah. So um, spoiler alert: my top two were both at the Roseland Ballroom. Nice, I, nice. It was one of those venues where the sound was always perfect, no matter where you were in the room. Yeah, it just had a vibe and an ambiance to the room that just made it feel more special. And and probably if they turned all the lights on, it was probably you know a disgusting whatever pit. But it doesn't matter. There was something about the place that just was perfect for live music and I was devastated when the place closed down but oh I know I can't believe they closed it down I feel like that's like a uh, historic landmark but I feel like it is and I'm still pissed about it I'm still <laughs> pissed about it we we saw Incubus and the Deftones there back in the late 90s and uh, one of my friends literally she remembers that concert as the fact that there was such a surge to the front of the room that she was levitating and she said to me Brian you need to grab me and get me down and out of here and i grabbed because at the time i was still playing football i was about 100 pounds heavier than i am now and i just grabbed her by the back of her shirt and my buddy by the arm and just went like this and just started shoving back against the surge and got us all the way to the back i had never seen anything like it except for one of my other mentions that i'll talk about later but awesome room so much fun i would have loved to have been at that show i was hoping you were at that show but you were at other roseland shows so that's cool so yeah, the uh, the the basis for our name, the the, the audio slave yeah, name comes from true. from audio slave too. We all come at it from different genres being our favorite. I know Tuan's a little more into you know the metal and hardcore scene. Uh, Nate's a grunge guy with Pearl Jam, and I I come from it a little a little on the softer side, and then some hip hop too. So that's we're like they're a super group. We can be a super group. Let's name ourselves after them. The secrets out there. <laughs> yeah, he spilled the beans. <laughs> I saw Audio Slave with Nate too, and and I've told that story that I called him and he wouldn't answer, and then he finally answered. And Tom Morello was speaking in the background because he was backstage at the the interview with the radio station. I was like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> uh, all right, my number four, the Flaming Lips. Now we've talked about the Flaming Lips a ton uh, on this pod. I think this particular show I've mentioned a few times, but not as in depth as the other two. This was uh, July third. 2010 at the Nativa Festival, Nate. If you remember, we went to the, up to Oxford, Maine at the Oxford Fairgrounds yep. uh, and saw Soundtribe Sector 9 and then the Flaming Lips. And the both of those bands blew my mind. I had never seen either. Soundtribe was just so on point. It was in a you know, in a field in the middle of summer in Maine. It's you couldn't get any better. I mean, you know, we've been hanging out watching music all day. And to get that as the nightcap, I was just beside myself with how happy I was. But we had gone with a few friends that worked for the radio station. I remember during the end of the Flaming Lips set, just standing there with my mouth open, watching Do You Realize? And Sean, who used to be on WCYY, which is our alternative radio station here in uh, Southern Maine, just looks at me and goes this dude's having a good time. <laughs> like I can still vividly remember him seeing me being like, wow, he's, he's enjoying himself. Like this is, this is what it's all about, man. And I'm like, yeah, this, I, I love this. This is the only place I want to be right now. Uh, and then, I mean, I went to go see them a couple more times. We met Wayne a couple of years later or a year later in Boston and just super down to earth, cool guy. And that, that piece obviously helps. Uh, and they put on such an amazing show with the, the gerbil ball and all that. Go check our, our social media. There's some video of him going over and my brother and I, but just such an amazing place to be. Uh, it was really cool. Cause it was Nativa was the only time it ever happened was 2010. 
It was a three-day festival in, in Oxford, Maine. And there was a handful across the street. So Nate and I just walked across the street and bought another 18-pack when we ran out of beer. And nobody cared because it was the first year of the festival and they didn't understand how to handle it. And we were just like, we need more beer. Like, th- let's go to Hannaford and buy more beer. <laughs> this is too easy. Uh, but man, what a blast. And, and yeah, Flaming Lips at number four. I haven't seen them. They're on my list as well. I've heard great things about their show. Uh, one of my friends is when they did the tour with Weezer, she got to see him. She's like, it's, it's totally worth going. They're on my bucket list as with uh, several other artists that I hope to check off at some point. Maybe if they do a, a big tour with all the other bands that I haven't seen would be wonderful or a one-off, but yeah, they're, they're, they're awesome. He, he's definitely an eclectic dude. Totally. Yeah. And being in the top five, it kind of validates it, right? You're like, all right, now I got to check it out for sure. Yeah, um, definitely. But tone, you kind of broke the cycle though. Like, Technically a festival appearance, but I, but it counts. Well, it was one night. I only went to one day. That's true. It was one. I know the festival was one night only, right? Or was it two? Well, no, it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This was the Saturday night. And you and I oh, okay. went up on Saturday during the day. And I'm not counting yep. the, the afternoon session. I'm just the evening session. It was three bands. So I can't remember who, who opened for Sound Tribe. And then it was Sound Tribe. And then uh, Play My Lips. So I'm counting that as the show because it was a one night off for me. We yeah. drove up. Then we, dro- we woke up in the morning and drove home. Uh, yep. yeah so i'm counting it as one sorry no it's good it's just like fuck, i have so many festivals too that should make the I top know. five yeah. Yeah. the cheat code we're down to three ready for three let's do it all right brian here's here's where you're going to turn my microphone off so i have to lead this off with a uh disclaimer my first concert ever was april 7th 1987 at the brendan Byrne arena and it was David Lee Roth on the Skyscraper Tour, and Poison opened for them. Wow. So when I talk about hair metal, Poison will always have a special place in my heart, and they actually are my number three. Now, there's a reason behind it. This was June 17th, 2000 at the PNC Bank Arts Center. It was Poison with Cinderella, Dokken, and Slaughter. Nice. We had lawn tickets. One of my ex-girlfriends came over to me and said, hey, my brother just got thrown out. We need to leave here and she handed my buddy and i two tickets she goes go enjoy from the second row i was like oh hell yeah so we went from the lawn all the way down and this is one of those hand to god stories the only person that will know this is my buddy patsy so i will have him listen to this and chime in if need be um during poison set they were playing a song and they were bringing people up on stage and this woman went to jump up on stage and now at this point we're up against the bar right in front of the stage and she started to slip. So I caught her and helped her up. So she didn't fall back. Brett Michaels saw that pointed at me and called me up on stage. Yes. So I hopped up on stage and he literally threw his arm around me, said, that was awesome. Thank you, dude. Do you know the words to rock and roll all night? And I said, yes, I do. He handed me a microphone and said, good. I got to go take a piss. And he walked off stage. CC DeVille walked over to me and said, I hope you know what you're talking about because you're about to put your money where your mouth is. And he counted Ricky Rocket in and they started playing rock and roll all night. And I turn around and there's 20,000 friggin' people in front of me. And I got to sing the first verse of rock and roll all night. As soon as I was done with that, Brett Michaels started singing the second verse, came and put his arm around me and we sang the friggin' song together. Now, this is in 2000 before camera phones i have for years looked on youtube to to pray that somebody has this like bootleg or something i was gonna joke around and and say i saw it on youtube 
Yeah, I, I have this ripped Metallica shirt on with like the sleeves all ripped off. Like I was just a mess. But it was a moment that is so vivid in my memory. My buddy's like, dude, I can't believe you did that. Like, because we were in a band at the time. So I went back to my buddies and I'm like, man, 20,000 strong. And I got to rock a kiss song in front of them. And it was wow. one of the coolest experiences. So even though Poison's not a band that I'm sure the three of you guys have on your list, how could I not bring that up as a top concert experience? Because oh things God. like that just don't happen. And it's how tough is that to, not one? I was going to say, it's tough to top that. Like, now I'm like, all right, what the hell? Did he... Yeah, what did, else does he have? Did Brian drum? Well, is he Brad Wilk? Like, who are you? You know, like, what? Oh, man. Yeah, Brian was in on the the Let It Be. He he helped yes, the yes. Beatles write Let It Be. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, and Brian, just, just to confirm, you said that was your first show? No, no. My first concert was actually David Lee Roth and Poison, April 7th, 1987 at the Brendan. Oh, Burn. okay, okay. But because Poison opened, they were the first band I ever saw live. So for the rest of my life, they will always have a hall pass as – Yep you don't you talk shit about poison because to me they were they they kind of like broke me into live concerts yep, so my absolutely. 11 year old mind was blown hearing this loud lot you know music light show i'd never seen anything like that in my life and it made me obsessed with concerts so poison gets a hall pass for the rest of my life as just an awesome band and people look at me and they go really and i'm like that's got nothing but other than they were my first ever band i saw live that's that leads oh, me to a question for you guys, uh, Anthony and Nate. Uh, if, you, if you were to have played with the first, if you would have been pulled on stage with the first uh, act you ever saw, who would it be? Hmm. I think it was Rustic Overtones as a local band. As a national, I think it was Pat Metheny. <laughs> so it would be a whole different experience, Yeah. especially with Pat Metheny. Yeah. <laughs> Here, play this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it was better, better than Ezra Patio Show, and I've – this is like one of my nerd goals in life is to figure out what year that was. It was either 96 or 97. I mean, we, if it was a patio show, we could find that out. I've tried. I've looked. Really? For years. Oh, yep. man. All right. Scoured the depths of the of the dark web for that. No. I've got an idea. We've got some ends over there. We can figure that out. Yeah. Mine yeah, would be the Bare Naked Ladies at the Civic Center in Portland. Nice. They, uh, nice. That, it was, that was a blast. They, they put on a great show. And they, Portland is kind of their adopted home. They're Canadian, obviously. But uh, – Portland, they got the key to the city in Portland. They played a bunch of patio shows. One of the uh, more memorable WCOI patio shows, which is one city center, downtown Portland. They have a patio outside the radio station. They would used to do shows there and they were free and you just roll in that band would play four or five songs. And then they'd play at a venue in, in town later that night. And this was uh this was a pretty cool spot back. I, I wish they still did that, honestly. But oh, yeah, yeah. be bare naked ladies for me. So sorry for the tangent, but I, I wanted to know if we all get pulled on stage. Now that we know Brian got pulled on stage with poison in front of twenty thousand, not going to top that. <laughs> all right, I'll jump. I'll jump in three. This the date is November eighth, two thousand three. So fresh, fresh eighteen. Um, nerd fact: I like to throw some nerd facts out there. I bought a six hundred dollar. Sony Hi8 digital video camera. This was like right when digital video cameras were coming out. And the whole thing is they had like a USB input to go into like Adobe Premiere on your computer. I bought one just for this show so I so I could film it. I was like, I want to remember this because it's I know it's going to be something special. It's up on YouTube. It's been up on YouTube for 15 years. It's got like 20,000 views across the couple wow. videos. But 
It's uh, the receiving end of Siren's last show with their original singer. It was in Fitchburg, Mass. The cap of this room was like probably 400, tiny. This was before they wow. blew up. This was before the Triple Crown signing, before all that. That summer, in like six months, I probably saw them 12 times. Like I was driving down from Southern Maine to western mass you know to boston wherever you know and so and i'd see them play because i just i knew there was something special about that band but yeah it's one of those things where it's like i remember the essence of that night way better because i obviously had a camera but if you weren't at the show and just seeing the video i don't think you'd really get it it was just time and a place had to be there and uh, that era of that band is just so special to me. But man, six hundred bucks is like a broke college kid. Like, what the fuck was I doing? Like, after inflation, <laughs> that's like probably two grand today. Now it's probably like yeah. over a thousand. It was worth all the views on YouTube, though. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a claim to fame. Yeah. Oh, actually, another nerd note: they put out a DVD and used some of the footage. Never hit me up. I want oh, se- season desist. Where are we at? <laughs> I I will I will I can do that for you. Okay. I can I can be a thorn in someone's side. I'll I'll make a couple burner accounts and yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> Great memories though. I watch the, I I go back and watch the 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 footage every now and then. That's a band that we kind of got robbed of a, a reunion show in 2020 because of COVID. I know Anthony yeah. and I were planning on going down to see them because you got me into them around that time and I never I never saw them live because I wasn't driving down to. Uh, Massachusetts to see them, Western Mass to see them. For me, it was, yeah, like you said, it was a three, four hour drive sometimes. And, yeah. But awesome band. And yeah, be really cool to have checked them out in 2020, but COVID kind of robbed us of that. Twan, to kind of riff off your nerd, uh, nerd fact, just really quick here is, you know, I used to be, I think we all talked about it on here, like, don't be that guy videotaping the show. But when you do get a few songs, it's awesome to look back on it, especially for something this special. But now, especially like I've been trying to go to as many shows as possible now that they're back and I'm taking tons of videos because now I know how fast it can be taken away with, with the uh, pandemic, you know, and just have it go to a full on stop. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to take as many videos as I can, because I don't know if this will happen again. And, you know, life changes, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to go to concerts all the time. So just to kind of relive the videos is a good memento. So I think it's overrated to say like, enjoy the show, but yeah, you, you got to get some content too. So. And we do the podcast, so that's part of it. All right. Well, I'll give you three. The aforementioned Tom Petty <laughs> at the Tweeter Center, which at the time it was called the Tweeter Center. I forget what it's called now. Uh, in Norton, Mass, on June six, June 18th, 2005. So a couple years after you, you said you saw them, Brian. Uh, the opener, the Black Crows. Oh. So really, really just an awesome bill. Uh, Nate missed the Black Crows because he was talking to some, you know, talking to some people in the parking lot and get kind of tied up and we couldn't find him. And this was, again, pre pre smartphone. So we were, we're calling him, but or try, we couldn't really text him and be like, where are you? What are you doing? Do you need help to get out of the situation you found yourself in? <laughs> but yeah, he, he missed the Black Crows, which I, I'm never going to let him live down because they were also awesome. But Petty, I mean, I've seen Petty. I saw Petty twice. Uh, this was the first time we were... The night before, we had seen Robert Plant and The Strange Sensation in Boston. Ooh, uh, we, nice. uh, we've we told this story of the pod. We drove from Boston to just outside of Norton, Mass, and found a, uh, like a La Quinta or one of those, you know, motel, hotel chains to stay in the, before the Petty Show the next day. And we were starving and nothing was open. 
but our hotel had a tombstone pizza maker in the lobby. So <laughs> the six of us that went to the shows, we, we cranked that bad boy up, made a couple pizzas and, you know, had a couple rooms next to each other and, and enjoyed ourselves that evening and had a blast at Tom Petty the Hell next yeah. day. And there's awesome. nothing better than there is nothing better than the whole crowd singing breakdown. It's just, Oh, oh yeah. It just, it just is so amazing. So every song it's, you're literally arm in arm with people. You don't know singing petty. Every petty show I've been to is always just, and the thing was, there'd be people there that were 15 with their parents and there'd be guys in their seventies and everybody was just one age. It was, you yep. know, it was one vibe. Everyone was into it. All people from all different walks of life. Petty crossed so many genres. I, I literally, he's, he, his death four year anniversary just hit it. A couple it, days me, ago, yeah. Still impossible that it's been that long. Like it still hurts to this day. One of my favorite artists of all time and grew up listening to the greatest hits anytime I went on a road trip with my dad. So to be able to see him twice and uh, one time, obviously, in a huge crowd down outside in, in Mass. And then one time inside here in Portland, Maine, like eight rows from the stage, just phenomenal experiences. And and you're right to, to not be able to do that anymore is such a such a sad, sad uh, thing. But great, great concert. Great. Uh, number three for me overall. I mean, Petty, Petty, I'll, I'll never forget that week. Nate, who you got? Three? That was a good one. Brought back some good memories. All right. So my top three. Tuan, you were at this one. On July 28, 2007, in uh, New York City on Randall's Island, Rage Against the Machine absolutely destroyed. It's hard to not put them in the top five because they're such an amazing band, no matter what, like anytime you see them live. But I think we want to be a little greedy and saying like we saw them in their peak form, but it was 07, so it was kind of after the fact, right? But they just killed, they destroyed. Such a good set list. Open with Testify, close with Killing of the Name, and just song after song just like kind of like the tom petty thing like everyone's singing in unison but it's a totally different vibe at the same time and i just remember looking at the fences on the side you know the parameter of the of the uh, outdoor venue and everything looked like it was just going to fall apart like it was a full-on like uh uprising you know just based on the music let alone like political climate or whatever you want to say but yeah my top three it's just such a memorable show especially living in new york city at the time and i was just like i can't believe this is happening seeing rage outdoors just literally just tearing it down so um yeah top three all day maybe even higher if it was a different different day so we make the rules here i'm going out of order <laughs> this is my number one show of all time i was at the show with nice. nate it is number one they headlined the rock the bells fest i don't know if you mentioned that, that but yep. wu-tang public enemy cypress hill the roots black star you got most and talib epmd feral munch just incredible and then you have rage who Rage is my favorite band of all time. I got into them on Evil Empire 96. I was like 10 or 11. I don't know what my parents were thinking. I had the tape. I never thought I'd get to see them ever. So like the fact that that came up, it was just unbelievable. And I, I think about like Ray, like tonight when I was just finalizing this list, I was like, is anything ever going to top that show? And I don't think it will be because I don't think I'll ever love a band that much. And I don't think they'll ever be as much suspense i mean from the time i got into them to 2007 that's 11 years and nowadays in being mid mid 30s if i like a band i'm gonna go see them there won't be an 11 year gap where there's like this all mm -hmm. this hype you know it's like nothing will ever top that and man it was at night it was outside randall's island so you could see like the cityscape in the background it just yep. 
time and place that I I think about I've like pictures in my head like vivid images of that night I can't like think of video but I have pictures that like have just stuck in my head and I would pay now arbitrarily three grand for the show like I would just <laughs> throw money to relive that night that rage is in my honorable mention because I saw them I forgot the year now because I didn't write this one down but it was Bad Religion, the Beastie Boys, and Rage Against the Machine for a one-night show at uh, the at the time it was called the Continental Airlines Arena in New Jersey, and man, that was just insanity from the first song of the night yep. to the end. And they are just in- incredible live, absolutely incredible. I am the only one in here that hasn't <laughs> seen Rage, so I'm just gonna <laughs> see myself out. <laughs> it was nice talking to you guys this evening. <laughs> So jealous of all three of you right now. Boston Calling 2022. I know. If I it know, happens, know. you know. Yeah, I hope so, man. That'll be something that I make sure I get to because it, it just needs to happen. You're your 11 years, Tuan. My 20, what, six? Yep. 27 years? Yeah, so I'll have some <laughs> anticipation for that one. Yeah. Damn. Got to make it happen. All right. We up to number two? We're yep, up to number two, roll. right? Brian, what do you got? Yep. All right. This is one of my favorite groups of all time. And this is one that's going to probably make people raise their eyebrows, but I'm going to go with December 16th, 2001. And I'm going to go with blues traveler. I could have gone with December 29th, 2014 at the state theater, New Jersey, because that was my daughter's first concert. And we sat front row and she got a harmonica and John Popper wished her uh, told the crowd that it was her first concert because I had emailed him on Facebook prior to the show. Amazing. Telling him that we were going to be there. That one was awesome. June 2nd, 2009 at the Bergen Performing Arts Center, I opened for them. I got to do a four-song wow. set. That could have been my favorite Blues Traveler show. But December 16th, 2001, three months after September 11th, John Popper comes out on stage the band walks out and he does the Star Spangled Banner on harmonica. Oh, wow. The entire room was bawling their friggin' eyes out. Wow. It was just powerful. And the band does this electric two hour set. And for the last song of the night, they filled the stage with first responders. Amazing. And firemen, and the whole place erupted into a party scene. Like it was the, it was like, Nobody knew at the time, and I don't mean to take this on a downer note. I'll be really quick about this, but we didn't know if it was okay to have fun at that point anymore. We didn't know what to do yeah. in New York. It was just very – and, again, this was at the, the Roseland Ballroom. So we didn't know if it was okay to enjoy ourselves again. And Michael Franti and Spearhead opened, and they, they were like, look, guys, well, we can have fun. We can enjoy this. And it was uh, – a bunch of the tracks from that night is on Blues Traveler's live album, What You and I Have Been Through, including that version of the Star Spangled Banner. Ooh, I'll check that. Wow. It's just that, – that's I, I have no words. It was just amazing. Probably the second best concert I've ever been to in my life. It, it is the second best concert I've ever been to in my life. And it's just for the the story around it. That Just the – yeah, three months after 9-11, hearing that, it was just such a powerful night. And uh, everybody in that room was a family that night. Didn't matter age, color, what team you were a fan of, Giants fans and Jet fans coming coming together, Yankees and Mets fans. It was just New York, and it was just a perfect night. And I think 
what you said, a lot of what you said underscores how important context is. It's like where you were in your life, how old you were, what was going on in the world, yep. where the band was at that stage in the career. It's like so many ingredients that, I don't know, I'll, I'll, I'll probably have goosebumps though listening to that Star Spangled Banner rendition. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, he plays it like he plays it like Hendrix. So I mean, it's yeah. it's it's awesome from a musical standpoint. But then when you add that context on it, it's just I, every time I think about that moment, I looked at my buddies that I was with, and our jaws were on the ground. We we didn't we didn't even know what to say to each other. What did we just see? Right. Like, and and that's the best part about all of this. This entire conversation, why we do what we do, and I think why you and and Gomez do what you do, is because. There's nothing quite like when a, a song is amazing, when a show is amazing, when you, mm-hmm. you can't recreate that feeling from whole cloth. It needs to like be one of those things that one of those organic things that you kind of stumble into. And it's just so, oh, man, I, I can't, I can't do it justice. I, I love music. I love the music community. I love what the, the feeling you get from being at a show like that, remembering it, you know, 20 something years later, man, it's there's, There's no like drug. It. There is no drug on this earth that you could take that could beat that euphoric feeling when a moment like that happens at a live concert. It, it's otherworldly. So it's out of body experience. It's all of that all wrapped in one. There's nothing you could take that could top that nothing. or recreate it. Nothing like it. Totally yep. agree. The only thing that comes close is when you hit the last game of a parlay in sports betting. That is <laughs> <Yeah>. pretty close. <laughs> but no, I'm with you. It's and when you, honorable when, mention. Honorable mention. When your team comes back from a 28 to three deficit in the Super Bowl and wins it, that was pretty cool too. Right. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> All right. Oh crap! Who's Let's not talk. I got for, note to self: don't mention you're a Giants fan. No, no, <laughs> I've got. I've, I'm going to mention it shortly, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I've got something for you. <laughs> All right, who, who you want me to? I'll go. I can give you my number two. Yep. Go for Bruce it. Springsteen uh, at Gillette Stadium, the home of the, the New England Patriots, August second, two thousand eight. So we're not not quite a year, but six months, seven months removed from the the Giants beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl in two thousand eight. I was which, there, and Tom Petty was the Super Bowl halftime show. So that yeah. that no, you oh, had sorry. a you had sorry. a great day. You had a great day, and man, I, if I were you, I would be. That would be one of my favorite days ever. So I, I understand it. I mean, that's my whole extended family is from New Hampshire. Okay, so the Giants winning twice against New England is all I've got. Yeah. Anytime they start to rip on the Giants, I'm just like, uh, Eli Manning, and they all just have to stop because it's just like, sorry guys, it's, it's all I've only- got. It's the only fan base that I can't really give any grief to. <laughs> David Tyree who? Yeah, exactly. Or I mean, Mario Manningham, same same thing. I, uh, I said yeah. I said I said to my entire extended family straight up, I'm like, look, when New England beats the Giants three times in the Super Bowl, then you guys re- you guys regain the bragging rights against me, but for now, I, I I never ever ever introduce it. I don't walk in cocky. I only pull it out if I have to play that card. Yep. Smart. Smart. So that's the way to play it. That's the way to play it too. Uh, the the so yeah, it, we're we're back. It's August eighth, uh, August second, two thousand eight. My dad and I are down at Bruce Springsteen. I bought him tickets for his birthday. He had no idea. He was super excited. He'd never seen Bruce Springsteen. Huge fan. Got me. You know, one of the reasons I, I listen to some of the stuff I listen to still uh, to this day. And he and I get down there and we we treated it like a Patriots game. We park in a spot that we typically would park for a game hang out. We're talking to these people that drove up from New Jersey, huge Giants fans. 
salt of the earth dudes, super nice. Didn't rub too much in that they had just won the Super Bowl over our undefeated Patriots. And uh, I'll never forget just the pre-show stuff, hanging out with those guys, enjoying how much we all, how excited we all were to go see Bruce Springsteen. And especially where my dad and I had never seen him. Uh, and Fully Street Band, Clarence is Still Alive, just an amazing show. I've told this story on the podcast before, but that was the only time I've ever been at a, a, a an event, a weather, whether it was a weather event. Uh, they put a, all of us, right before Bruce is about to go on, they say, everybody go up underneath the concourse. We got some uh, thunderstorms coming through. It should be about 20, 25 minutes, and then Bruce will come out. And the entire stadium, we were on the, down on the field, moves up and under the concourse, and the place is going nuts at every clap of thunder and every lightning bolt. And the place, everybody's just so excited to be at a concert and it hasn't even happened yet. Uh, and the energy in that building was next level and it only gets topped by one other show on my list. And man, uh, to, the happiness my dad had when they played 10th Avenue freeze out, how, just looking at him, seeing how excited he was, I, I, I'll never forget that. And that's another, those, there's just so many big pieces of that night that I can still see so vividly. And it was 13 years ago. So yeah, Bruce Springsteen at Gillette stadium in 2008 for me is number two. And these stories put such a smile on my face. I love hearing it. Like it doesn't matter who you root for. It doesn't, at the end of the day, music brings us all together. I, I love hearing this stuff, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. I'll, th- this actually will be my last one. Cause I spilled the beans on the rock, the bells. Uh, so this one actually kind of piggybacks on a theme that you had, Brian, and you just had tone, which is the whole experience of the show and who you're with. So this one, I'm going to kind of cheat here. Cause it's not just one show. It, it's a weekend. Uh, so Two years ago, May of 2019, one of my top three bands all time, which I've already mentioned them, Crime and Stereo from Long Island, they did a West Coast run in San Diego, Anaheim, and West Hollywood. It's a band that I've seen um, back in my early 20s, probably 15 times, but they had been inactive for like nine years. And then out of the blue, are like, hey, we're from New York. We live on New York, but we're going to do a three-date run on the West Coast. And me being on the opposite coast, I'm like, I'm in. So I bought tickets, didn't even chat with my wife about it, spilled the beans after. That's, that's ballsy right there. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm, that's, I'm that's going. That's a baller I'm, move right there, yeah. buddy. <laughs> so b- before I even talked to my wife, I called my dad, who's closer to 70 than 60, and I'm like, you want to go to the West Coast? Because I've been to a ton of shows with him over the years. Def Leppard, The Outfield. I mean, you name it. We've been to a ton together. He hasn't been to many. Slipknot. You've seen Slipknot that's with right. your dad. <laughs> and that, that kind of piggybacks on what I'm going to say is he hadn't been to many of my bands. So he flew out with me. We did this three-day weekend, small bar in San Diego. Then it was at uh, Chain Reaction, iconic place in uh, Anaheim. And then the Roxy, iconic. Oh. And it's funny, like the Roxy was the last show of the weekend. And I remember going in the bathroom and being like, looking around, I'm like, some skeevy shit has gone down in this bathroom. (laughs) Took a piss and then got out of there. But I think the underscore of this whole thing is it's who you're with. It's the whole charade around it, how you got there, making a weekend of it. It was just, you know, we didn't have a car. We just took Ubers and trains and buses. It was, it was amazing. Time and a place I'll never forget. Oh, that's awesome memories, man. It, like hearing stories like that, the bonding, like I've gone yep. to see ACDC with my father, Tom Petty, 
And every, when I took him to ACDC, that was a band that we would put the record on when I was a kid and he would just blast Highway to Hell in the house. And I would, you know, I got in trouble in kindergarten for bringing my dad's copy of Highway to Hell into into kindergarten <laughs> because they felt That's like amazing. They, they felt like if you want blood, you've got it was not an appropriate song for show and tell. <laughs> Uh, but whatever, it was my favorite song. And then when they came out, my dad at, at 70 years old, he's got his friggin' horns up and he's fr he's like, I better be careful because I could throw out anything at any point here. But he's like, I, he couldn't help it. He was just like, he had to friggin' he, he was headbanging with all 70,000 people at Giant Stadium for that. Amazing. So I totally get that being able to, to spend that time with your parents and, you know, take that in. That's a beautiful thing, man. I love it. Mm -hmm. One last comment about the San Diego show is there was a guy in the crowd that was. He was crowd punching. He was getting a little too aggressive. And um, my dad high-fived him on the way out. I was like, what bizarro universe <laughs> nice. am I, am I uh, I love it. I love it. Slick, if you're listening, that's amazing. <laughs> that I remember being cool. like, wow. But, yeah, that's uh, that's two. I think, nice. Nate, you're closing us with twos? Yeah. Show regret. Just quick tangent. Quick, uh, show regret because you actually called me. Hey, hey, come down. Meet me at the show. And yep. I just got... Uh, some kind of super late night where I like rolled into my uh, apartment at like 8 p.m. and you're like show starts in an hour. I'm like, I gotta eat dinner. I'm just I can't do it, man. And I haven't and so forgiven I got a you. Show, show I've, regret. I've never forgiven. I know, you. I know. I wouldn't forgive me. I don't forgive me. <laughs> I'm I'm angry about it. I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> All right. So my number two. This one got put in and out uh, with the same band actually because they're such an amazing band. Just saw them in the last two weekends. Pearl Jam on November 21st. 2013 here in san diego and man it's hard not to put this at number one this was such an amazing show and for for it to be this late in their career they just they just killed it it was such an amazing show lengthwise they played 34 songs it was just oh, like a damn marathon show um anyone that's listening that knows pearl jam they know eddie's from san diego as well as matt cameron the drummer formerly of Soundgarden. Mm -hmm. he grew up in uh, san diego at 1.2 so there's some local roots so they had a lot of family there uh ed's mom was there we all as fans, like Ed passed a bottle of wine to us in the crowd and we slowly passed it all the way to her. So that was kind of like one of those holy shit moments. A bunch of family in the crowd, like I was saying, so he's calling out his brothers and they're putting the spotlight on all their family members. You're like, I'm here with like one of the biggest bands on the planet and their family. So it's just like really crazy situation. Um, I had also just moved to San Diego, but I had originally moved to Northern California first and sold my Pearl Jam tickets in Oakland knowing that I was going to be moving down to San Diego because I was in NorCal as a temporary gig. And so I sold them and then bought the San Diego show. And uh, it was like, the, it was literally just such an amazing show. I was like, man, I'm happy I didn't go to the Oakland one and went to the San Diego one because it was that much more special and long. I mean, literally the show just never stopped. And the reason it didn't stop, little nerd fact, is they played the Vejas Arena, uh, which is part of uh, San Diego State University. And because it's on the campus, they don't have a, a curfew. They can just play oh, wow. however long they want. Nice. And so they, that's the core reason why they were literally just going, because they didn't have to pay uh, the curfew fine. And they just, obviously, with the family connection and everything, uh, they were feeling it. Best show, one of the best shows I've ever seen. I want to say it's the best time I've seen Pearl Jam, but that's a tough one, because it's the first time I saw them. Anytime you see your first band or your favorite band for the first time, obviously holds a very special place. But uh, first uh, 2013 show, anyone that was there, knows that this was uh, just a one-off in terms of memorable show uh, for Pearl Jam. So I am going to stop Insane. you. When we saw Pearl Jam in Boston in 05, they did play 31 yep. songs that night too. So they, they're no stranger to long sets. <laughs>
Oh, they played thirty-one good nights. Long they're sets. Just, they're not they're amazing. Yeah, they're, they're yep. like, yeah. Eddie knows how to craft a set list. Let me tell you. Yep. Yep. They, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite shows too. Probably top ten for me is seeing them in Boston with you years ago, and that was one of those trips we did a, sh- a Pearl Jam one night and something else in Boston the next night. The atmosphere, modest Yahoo the yep. next night. We just bombed around Boston, so that that was a great time too. Like probably, geez, twenty fifteen years ago at least. So, all right, we're up to number one. Anthony's already given his. Brian, what do you got? All right, back to the Roseland Ballroom one last time, but this is November twenty nice. fourth, nineteen ninety eight. Ooh. Now, I could have went with November 23rd, 1999, because this band did a one-off show at Madison Square Garden with a full symphony orchestra. That would be Metallica for their S&M show. But I'm yeah. going with their Garage Inc. cover songs only show that aired oh. on MTV. What? And my cousin and I were in the crowd. We made it on MTV cameras two or three times, throwing up the, throwing up the horns. I mean, this is friggin' Metallica in less than 2000 people. I'm not old enough to have been able to see them back when they were opening for Raven back in like the kill them all days when they were young and hungry. Metallica was already a stadium band at this point. So to be able to snag tickets, I went on and waited online for four and a half hours at a record store in North Jersey and was the first person in line. And I ended up literally, I got the tickets. The guy behind me didn't get them. My and my cousin wow. and I basically got to got to see Metallica in front of two thousand people. How, I, you just can't top that. It was it was just surreal the whole night. My cousin and I friggin' moshing the Metallica because they did all covers. So it was Last Caress, Sabbath Bloody, or Sabracadabra. They had a Metallica cover band open for them. It was just a fun, different experience. And I've seen Metallica so many times, but it's always in a stadium where they're this big. We got all the way up to the bar and they're frigging right in front of us. And it was just something that I would never experience again. So that's my number one Metallica Roseland ballroom, November 24th, 1988, 1998. That is, that is an amazing, that's an amazing show. Yeah. That small of a room, especially where they're at in their career at that point. I mean, they're already iconic and there's still 20 something years left to, you know, to, to get to today. So that's, oh man, I can't even imagine. That's so cool. I love when Green Day, like bands like Green Day when they yep. play a stadium, but then they'll go do a club show for 500 mm-hmm. people. That that always makes me happy because you're giving something back to the fans. Like when they do pop-up shows, Metallica just played a club last week. I want to say in Chicago, they did a pop-up show. That's right. They did. And they did, they yeah. did a bunch of stuff off like Kill Em All and Ride the Lightning. Like That's just doing something awesome for the fans. I love stuff like that. Yep. Yep. Well, Absolutely. it's just the rareness of it. I mean, that's, there were only 2,000 other people there in, in human existence that were in that room to experience that, and they probably never did that again, right? No, they've never once done a show where they didn't play a single Metallica song. They had a cover band do it. Wow. wow. Yeah. So cool. And the best part was the cover band lead singer had really long hair, and James Hetfield walked out and grabbed his hair at the end of their set, and Lars walked out with hedge clippers, and the whole place went nuts. They didn't do it, <laughs> but the, 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 the look on the singer's face was just yeah. like, <laughs> Damn. As someone who had long hair at one point, not not too long ago, uh, it takes a long time for it to grow out. So yeah, somebody somebody rolls up with hedge clippers. You're like, bro, get away from me. <laughs> this took three years to happen. Like, leave me alone. That's hilarious about the long hair thing too, because that was like the whole controversy with Metallica at the time, right? Because um, Jerry Cantrell wrote on his acoustic guitar at the uh, 
Allison Chains Unplugged show, like friends don't let friends cut others' hair or something like that, because all yep, the guys yep. Metallica had just cut their this hair in '98. Thumbing there, they have, this is Metallica kind of clapping back a little bit. It was just <laughs> fun, like. And then when MTV went off the air, James is going, "Are we still on? Are we still on? No, we're not on anymore. Are you sure? Are you sure? This is your last warning. Yeah. Are you sure? Good. I got something to say, and the whole place was just like." So they did Last Caress, So What, nice. all the friggin' filthy, you know, Metallica songs that they wouldn't do for MTV. And it was just, man, I, I got, I'm hyped up right now. I'm ready to start moshing in my, uh, in my office here now. <laughs> Me too. I mean, 1030 on the East Coast, uh, 1030 p.m. And I'm ready. I'm ready to run through a brick wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nate, what do you got? Number one. My number one was on May 26, 2005. Uh, amazing show was you two at the fleet center actually still says it on the ticket stub. Obviously it was back then. It says fleet center, not TD bank North, not all that shit fleet center. So, you know, it's, it's old school. Yeah. This one holds a special place. Um, I was pretty young. I'd never seen you two. I've heard great things, saw tons of stuff on YouTube and had DVDs and whatnot on the band, but to finally see them play. And I was actually floor too. So I just couldn't believe it, but, uh, the whole crowd singing every song to every, you know, every word, to every song, um, they were, I mean, it was the Vertigo tour, so they're just in peak form. They always are, right? I mean, the U2, they're, they're just such a tight band, but I feel like they were on a they were on a pretty high wavelength at this time. They'd just come off the Elevation album and tour and everything around that. So this was just kind of riding that lightning onto a second album cycle. And uh, it just holds a very special place. I, I think we've talked about it on here before. It was very real. It was a religious experience for, for me. I was just in another world. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, basically. It was like, this is insane. The sound, everything about the show is just riveting. So, um, yeah, it'll always be my number one. I always try to replace it, but I can't because it's just, I relive it all the time. When I look at the stuff, I'm like, I know exactly every minute of every hour of every of that whole day. So, uh, Tone's holding something up similar to. What I is am that holding called? up the ticket stub. It does say Fleet Center on it. It is you yeah. two on the Vertigo Tour. May 26, 2005. Also my number one show of all time, Nate. Ooh. Wow. Ooh, very cool. We got a crossover <laughs> uh, here. I like he, that. Yeah, we, we finally got there. Uh, we've, had <laughs> so, we've had some of the same, the same artists, but we have not had a uh, similar show, the same show. So Nate and I, uh, Nate, we weren't at the show together, but we were at the same show. You went down with a mutual friend of ours. I went down with my neighbor. I accidentally bought two tickets or somehow bought two tickets. Ticketmaster had this happen to me a couple times. I bought one, it went through, and then they sent me two and charged me twice. I was like, okay, cool. I have two tickets. They weren't together, sadly. So I didn't get to sit with my uh, my friend Caitlin, but I was, I think the second row from the top, you know, as far away as you could be really without, you know, being not in the building. And it was the best show I've ever been to. I had two old ladies standing next to me. We were hugging. We were singing every, every word. We were having the time of our lives. I wish I knew who their names. I wish I could reach out to them today, you know, whatever, 16 years later, and talk to them because of how amazing this night was. I had never seen the band. I grew up with the band. They were not, they're never a favorite band of mine, but I mean, they were, they were you too. They were always around, especially in this time. And, and to see those songs in that room with a group of people that Boston is, if it's not Irish, I don't know what it is. And I'm, I'm a little bit Irish, but barely. And they're, they're so into that band. Uh, it's, it's like they should be from there. They, every time they yeah. come through, they play two or three shows in Boston because of how well the crowd does there and 
how big I've seen him there twice once way up top, which was the best show I've ever seen. And then I, I would say another top 10 show is them again. And we were down on the floor, you know, but backstage beforehand seeing Joe Elliott of Def Leppard and all that stuff. And that was really cool, but nothing, nothing beats the first time. It was just like Nate said, a religious experience. It was the people I was around that I didn't know. It was the, the, the entire building, 18,000 strong being one entity for, you know, an hour and a half hour and 45 minute set. It'll never be topped. I hope to top it. I'm, I feel like I'm young enough that it could be, but I'm not sure it will be. It was just so, so damn amazing. So I'm with you, Nate. Number one show of all time. I'm going to guess it'll never get topped because it's on, you've put yeah. it on such a high pedestal. And think and of I'm all jaded, the shows. But yeah. Exactly. All the shows you've been <laughs> to up to this point, hundreds and hundreds. Man, it'd be, it, one, it'd have to be a special band. The venue would have to be right. It just... Like, it'd be tough to crack my list at this point. Although, you know, a couple of these are pretty recent. Yeah. I'm going to keep damn trying, though, until the day I drop. Totally. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's the beauty of it. Like, even if it doesn't make your top five, even if it's a, even if it's your top 20, it's still awesome. Cause I've been to so many concerts. Even to crack the top 20 is a religious experience at this yeah. point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. a great point. And the sad thing is, we, we just haven't been able to do it much the last couple of years. I mean, last show I went to, Actually, it was 311 with you guys, but before that, it was almost two years, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. My last one was Sons of Apollo uh, about three weeks before the pandemic kicked in. Wow. So you haven't been to one since the pandemic started? Wow. No, sadly not, but I'm looking to remedy that very soon. There's so many good ones coming around. It's just been, uh, yeah, it just hasn't happened yet. Yep. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I saw Clutch last night, and it was the first time, my first time back in the State Theater, which we talked about a little earlier. You saw Mo and... Um, we've talked about the state there at, at nauseam. We had the, uh, the, the promoter Lauren Wayne on episode with 52 with us. So we love that room. It's, it's such a great room to finally be back in there after almost two years. I was, I was pretty emotional walking through the door. I'm not going to lie. I was like, I've missed this place. I've been in here so <laughs> many times and to be, see a band I love and be back in a crowd, whether it be a smaller crowd and, you know, maybe I'm a little more careful around, you know, being around somebody for too long, but, it was great. Everybody was into the show and man, it was, it was fun to be back doing that. And these are the reasons why we want to try to get into the top five with the next one. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. All right, Brian, where can we find you? Where can we find playlist wars? Our playlist wars is available on any of the podcast streaming platforms that use Apple podcasts, Spotify, good pods, anywhere you find podcasts. We are on Facebook at Playlist Wars. We are on Twitter at Playlist Wars. We are on Instagram at Playlist Wars Podcast or PlaylistWarsPodcast.com. We've got all our shows. If you listen and you like what you hear and you want to vote for which one of the playlists you like the best, you do it all there. It's kind of the main hub. We just love talking music. So if you find us through Patio Slave, just let us know, man. We, we just, we're, we're all about just making friends and talking music with people. And I'm so thankful that you guys had me on tonight this was such a blast and i hope to be able to do it you guys again soon having each one is on for a playlist wars episode down the road and then i can't wait to you know hopefully i didn't annoy you guys too much with my <laughs> rambling and uh hopefully i can come back sometime and chat with you guys again this has been an absolute blast 
Uh, the pleasure was ours, and you don't ramble any more than Nate does, so we're fine. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm, 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 I ramble all day. We should do that. We should do a top five festivals. We could do that. Yeah, you guys can do that. I haven't been to enough, but yes, that could totally happen. We look yeah. forward to uh, to getting on at the Playlist Wars with, with, with Brian and Gomez here in the near future. Uh, keep keep an eye out for that. But hey, if you've listened to us tonight because you like Brian, thanks. And you know we got a, a bunch of different stuff back there, so go check it out. Go check out Playlist Wars if you're, you know, Patio Slave fans, Podheads. Go be a playlister. It, it's fun. I, I am one, so it, it's a good time. You guys will like it, too. Thank you, Brian, for coming on with us tonight. Absolute pleasure, and thank you for having me. And to, uh, obviously, we'll be telling everybody to check you guys out. We've been saying this since day one. There's a million podcasts out there, but the fact that we have this kind of community of podcasts on Twitter there's plenty of time to listen to all of these amazing shows. I listen to all like X radio X. She will rock you patio slave the itch. Like th these are all awesome shows. I just love the fact that we're all like this music community talking music and just enjoying each other's company. So again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Hell yeah. It's been a blast. And Hey, to close this out in the spirit of playlist wars, this was concert wars. Let us know whose uh, lineup you'd like to see. Yeah, Ooh, we'll post like them. that. And we'll it won't be mine, so uh, you <laughs> go for it. You, no, you never know, man. I mean, some of the episodes we've tossed out there, <laughs> that that crowd loves to to you That's know true. support that 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 music. So you'll be fine. But yeah, check us out. We'll we'll toss that stuff up there. And if you like it, tell us which one you like the best. Why not? Right? We don't have the website to do that just yet, but um, you could tell us on Twitter. You could tell us on Instagram because you'll see it there. Awesome. Well, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it so much. Likewise. Peace, podheads. heads.